What's up, podcast listener? If you're sitting at your desk or riding in your car, know that today you're joining a family of basketball professionals who are trying to change other people's lives through the game that changed theirs. This podcast is going to take you along the journey of basketball entrepreneurs and how they make a living from the game that they love. If I say anything, anything that gives you value in this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a top five, top five, top five review. And now let's get to the show. Hey guys, in this episode, I'm going to be talking to Augie Johnson. He's the founder of Baller Bootcamp. And if you are a pro basketball player right now overseas, or you just finished playing and you're currently training kids, or you're thinking about starting to train kids because you don't want to come back over to the state and work a, a typical job and make that transition, this is the episode for you. Augie has a really, really big following 170,000 people on YouTube and, uh, He's doing really well in the offline game, too. He talks about how the online game and subscribers helps him with the offline game. And he also talks about the struggles and the reality of being a basketball trainer in the States and how sometimes he doubts it, even at the status that he's at right now. So if that is you, even if it's not you, but if you are a basketball player right now overseas professionally or you're just finishing, I think you're going to really, really like this episode because Augie keeps it real and he gives some really good insight on both sides of the spectrum. Um, also, if you are not a part of our Hoops Institute uh, basketball trainer group on Facebook, then you need to join that group. Augie's in there. Damon Altizer's in there. Coach Paul Easton. A lot of big-time guys are in there. They're answering questions. Anything that you have, anything that you want to know, they're there to help out. So go ahead and join that group. Go to Facebook, type in Hoops Institute dash basketball trainer, and you should find that group. Join it, and I'll give you access. And uh, can't wait to see you on the inside. And I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. What's up, everybody? Myson Jones here with Hoops Institute, and we're on live. Myself and I have uh, Mr. Coach Augie Johnson with me. Coach, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here and talk a little bit about basketball training world and stuff right now. Hey, I'm excited for this. I've been waiting for this one for a while. So if you if you're listening, the reason I want you to stay in, and Augie may have different more reasons for you. Uh, this guy has 172,000 YouTube subscribers, so he has only like 250 videos. So on average, that's about 600 plus subscribers per video. The guy has 35,000 plus on Facebook, and he does numbers and he knows the game too. So, uh, Coach, again, thanks, and um, I'm, I'm excited for a couple of these questions. Sure. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Start shoot shoot at me. Yeah. So, when did you start this? I know you played overseas. Where did you play, and when did you begin transitioning into basketball training? Sure. So I uh, played at college. After college, I went overseas, and uh, I would say about my second year overseas is kind of when I started the YouTube stuff. I was uh, coming home in the summers and working camps and uh training a lot of little a lot of youth players and stuff and so i decided you know it was a good time to kind of document uh what what i would be doing with the players and so i'd have stuff to send them and so i basically just started kind of recording my workouts when i was overseas and uh just put them up on youtube and started to grow a little bit of a following on youtube and i had a company back then called hoop honor and i after i got about i think i had like 100 videos on there I ended up taking them all down and and then about 
a year later and then I and then I went back overseas and then about a year later I decided to come out with Baller Boot Camp which is my company now and I um went home that summer shot a whole bunch of videos I would always record my YouTube videos uh in the summer and then just have them when I was overseas uploading them and stuff so anyways I played uh 5 years in Germany 2 years in Luxembourg and uh basically hung them up about a year ago a little over a year ago now and yeah, so basically how this whole basketball training thing got started was just me going overseas, coming back in the summer. When you when you come back in the summer, when you uh, play overseas, you don't really, you know, you're just staying in shape. You know, you can't get a job or anything. I wasn't making like six figures or anything like that overseas. I was playing in lower leagues. And uh, and so I would train kids in the summer uh, for money and I would run basketball camps and work at other basketball camps. And um, that's basically how I got started in the game. So I, I, I knew that there was something there with the YouTube because I had uploaded those videos before, got a little bit of a following. And I basically just uh, you know looked up how to grow a YouTube channel and it was all about creating good, good videos. And so I've just been doing that ever since. Um, about three, three years now steady, I've been uploading at least one video a week on YouTube. And, this, and eventually that evolved into like this online business that I have and really helped the offline stuff because it's helped me grow credibility and stuff. Like, you know, the kids around here in the area where I live were watching my videos when I was overseas, waiting for me to get back home. And, and that's basically how I got involved. I, you know, since college, I knew that this is kind of something I wanted to do, get into coaching or something like that. And once the YouTube stuff started to grow and I kind of figured out that I'm more of a player development kind of guy you know, started growing. So, so man, bunch of questions I got. So when did you, when did you say you started, you graduated? What year did you graduate? So I graduated college 2009. And I mean, I'd always, even in college, kind of trained players and worked at summer camps and did all that kind of stuff. But I went overseas after that, that summer, I came, that summer I came back. I was the first summer that I started training kids, but it was, it was, at that point, you know, it was never a business. It was just like, you know, my mom's friends, kids, and, you know, I wasn't charging a lot. I think I was charging 20 bucks a workout and uh, doing one-on-ones even for 20 bucks back then and just learning the game, you know. You learn a lot through experience. Yeah, so that's really when I got started. But as far as Baller Boot Camp goes, that was about three years ago. About three, three years ago, Baller Boot Camp was born. Three, okay. four, yeah. That's crazy. You took down a hundred videos and I saw that you relaunched Baller Boot Camp in 2013. Was that, was that the shift you were talking about from the Hoops Honor to Baller Boot Camp? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, four years is, is probably more correct. Yeah. Four years ago, started the, to kind of take it more serious. Right. So, what, I mean, in terms of videography, how are you doing these videos? I like the idea of batching all the stuff in the summer and then just like automating them. But how are you doing the videography? Yeah, so it's pretty just low budget, low key, just uh, friends, local videographers, sometimes my wife uh, behind the camera. Just, just, and I edit my own videos. I do all that. You know, like when, you're, when I was overseas, you have so much downtime. You have maybe one, max two practices in a day, and the rest of the time is downtime. So I'm just online Googling how to edit videos, how to Photoshop, stuff like that. And that's basically, you know, just taught myself everything there is to know about what it, what it takes online. I build my own websites even, so. Yo, that takes 
a lot of freaking time. Like you had the patience to learn how to use Adobe Final Cut, whatever you're using, and get the stuff you have in the studio and do this because your site is nice. Like your site is really good. I told people on live to go check it out. And I like it. It's different from what I saw last time, but it's mm -hmm. it's it's better actually. Thank you. Yeah. I mean the website and learn all that kind of stuff. It's just I don't know, I enjoy that kind of stuff. And when I was overseas, my teammates were playing video games all day. I was just online making Google searches on how to, you know, create a website basically. What you study in college? I study videography and I don't even like I don't like editing my videos. I don't edit my videos. I probably won't. Wow. I uh I study business. Yeah, just a generic business uh degree. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just wanted to play overseas. That's all I really knew. And my college career was a little bit of a Cinderella story. I was a walk-on and at a D2 and then uh, ended up, you know, becoming team captain, earning, earning a lot of recognition and stuff. And so it was just kind of a grind back then. I mean, I wasn't, didn't really know exactly what I want to major in and all that kind of stuff. So business is what it was. Man, and you said a really interesting thing. You said the online has helped your offline. I know a couple, a guy I interviewed yesterday or the other day, he doesn't really have much of a social media presence, but he's killing it offline. And I just think like, man, if this dude like really focused on the, the online marketing, he would even kill it more. But how is that going, focusing on the online marketing portion, how has that helped you with your brick and mortar, with your offline stuff? Sure. I mean, number one, just credibility. I think when you see, when a kid sees like, hey, you know, this guy is a go-to guy online for people looking for basketball advice, you know, it helps them say, okay, well, he, he knows what he's talking about. And really like kind of an indirect thing that I never really would have thought of and stuff is the online stuff has really helped me like hone my skills because with every video I upload, I'm basically building a curriculum that I can go back to. And like some of the best things that I teach uh players like when i'm live with them is is stuff that i've you know watched a, a million times in my own video and i have it hammered down i know how to teach it and it goes vice versa like sometimes my uh i'll learn something offline when i'm working with the player and i'll be like okay that's a video right there and um it'll, it'll turn into a video but really the, the online stuff has helped with building uh my curriculum basically for these players my my techniques and stuff and and just the credibility you know the, the people like oh that's that youtube guy or whatever you know that helps but um but yeah i, I think it's funny because you have some guys online that just do the online they don't really work with players too often in, in real life maybe but they have the online and then you have the guys that are just 100 percent offline they don't have anything online and they're working with a lot of players but they don't have they're not working with as many players maybe because the online thing is the whole globe right but you're probably influencing these players a lot more directly. Uh, and so I think I'm kind of in the middle right now because I'm not like huge online. I'm not huge offline. I'm still, I'm a little bit in the same shoes you are. I'm still growing, I'm still learning, but I have a little bit of both. And so I think that that helps me with my online content, I think is good. And my, my, my offline stuff I think is, is good because I have the online portion as well. Man, I, I, I like that. So. My, I don't want to shift just yet because I have a lot of things I wanted to want to bring up. So how many for the online, you have a free workout that you give, you have a funnel. I'm sure you take people through, yeah. but you know, are you, do you have an online program where it's monthly and you 
talk the kids often or talk tell me what your online program setup is like yeah so online i have um multiple like online training pro uh, programs that you can do my most popular one's called the scoring academy and uh it's basically ball handling finishing shooting and it designed to do by yourself without a partner um but as far as like, yeah, I do have one like monthly recurring online thing where you get actually my phone number. You can call me, text me, ask me questions, and then just access to like a whole bunch of different workouts um, for all different kinds of topics. And so that's kind of what the online the online game looks like. And yeah, I build an email list. Uh, I recommend that any trainer out here watching this, even if you're just an offline guy, like you got to build the email list. And um, yeah. That's kind of where the online business lies with the email list, the YouTube videos, the Facebook, the Instagram, and then the programs right there. That's interesting. I don't, I haven't even automated anything consistently. I'm in the process of doing that. And I always wonder, Colin Costello talked to me about it too. And he, I'm sure he's a fan of it. Why do your open rates, I mean, are they pretty good? And what would you say your target demographic is in terms of kid, age, and what percentage of those emails are usually getting open? Sure. Uh, my emails, they are about 20% open rate, and that's for at the beginning stages, right? So when someone's on your email list for a year, the open rates drop by then. But uh, so the beginning stage is about 20% open rates, and uh, those drop to around 10%. And really the key is just making your you're delivering value and content in your emails. So I always make sure I send out my YouTube videos when I create them and keep people engaged, keep people opening. Um, so, yeah. It, and I guess uh, I'm asking that question. So the player developers, trainers, coaches, whatever you want to call them, us sees the benefit in it. So if you say 10% and you have an email list, I'm not sure what your size is, but if a thousand people that's, and you convert, you get, you know, 10 people, then that's a pretty sizable, uh, that's a pretty good chunk on a program. That's more money than you would not have made if you didn't email them out. I mean, what's the, the value of the email list to you and why do you suggest we use it? Sure. I mean, it's just the, it's just the way that you can contact somebody multiple times. Uh, you know, if you send them straight to some kind of offer or, or something, you know, they're going to check it out. They might purchase, they might sign up. But most likely they're going to bounce, and then um, you know if, the, if you but if you send them to to get on your email list, then you can contact them for years and years, you know, and let them know about what you got going on with your company and, and build a relationship. Really, is email marketing is all about building a relationship and showing them that you're going to deliver value to them. So that's really the really the benefit is just being able to let them know what's going on with your company. I mean. 10% open rate on an email, like most people would say, oh, you know, that's not, that's not good. But and it's not, it's, it's not, you know, the best ever. But at the same time, you know, six months from now, you can also contact this person again and let them know about what you got going on and that there's value in that 10% six months later, you know, because you're still able to get a message to that person. So. I was doing the math and like I said, a thousand people and I say you convert on just 2% like 2% of a thousand and I'm not the best with my, as you can tell 2% of a thousand and then you get say 40 people out of that a thousand or 20 people out of that a thousand paying for something and you got a $40 product. That's $800 right there. I don't, I think that's a pretty good chunk. And I, 
I'm sure if you have good copy and you give value, you can convert on more than just two percent of people, right? Yeah. What's the highest you've ever converted? Is a is a question I want to ask. Um, I'm not sure about exactly um, the numbers like that off the emails, um, but you got to take into consideration that you know a 10% open rate does not mean a 10% click through rate. And True. You know, whatever your click through rate is, then they're get, they're hitting the sales page or whatever it is, and and then that's. But I, I would say like a two percent sending someone to like something where they got to actually pay money. If you're converting all that traffic at two percent, that's about that's a good percentage to be at. So whether you're an offline trainer and you're sending people to sign up for your workout, you know, if two percent will sign up, then I think you're doing okay. For sure, for sure. So what I want to ask now, man, I I really really wanted to get in on this interview after I saw this little exchange um nobody responded to you i wish somebody would have responded to you i think it was micah i think it was i don't know who it was but it was a video i know i think you know what i'm talking about it was a video of lebron and some other nba players using cones using some fancy equipment and you kind of quipped back you kind of said you know anybody can have some video and edit it and make it seem like these players consistently use these products why did you comment on that instead of keeping that to yourself and has anybody ever had a rebuttal to you uh yeah i mean i'm not i'm not one of those guys that's strictly like against you know the tennis balls or all the other stuff but for me personally i don't i don't like to mess with that, all that stuff too much there are some training tools that i do use like heavy balls and you know weight vests and stuff like that but um man if, if you if you go and you go and work with kids, you know, okay, this is different when you're working with NBA players and stuff because I think there is, you do need to challenge them in new ways and stuff. But if you are actively out there working with kids from ages, I don't know, 10 to even 16, there's, and you go and tell them to drop down, pick up a cone, cross over, catch the cone, they're not going to really be able to do it. I mean, it's, it, they might be able to do it eventually, and that's good to challenge them, I think, but. For me, it's all about quality of the rep. So if you can do go through do a through the legs dribble move and toss a tennis ball and catch it and stuff, that's I understand that helps keep your eyes up and stuff. But the quality of the move just drops, like the speed that you're going through the legs. And for for me, it's all about the Kobe Bryant method, master the fundamentals, right? Everyone knows Kobe Bryant would get in the gym and spend 45 minutes doing one dribble pull-ups, one dribble pull-ups, one dribble pull-ups. And I'm not I'm just not a huge fan of of all the of all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't want to come here on record because I know there's different genres of training and that's kind of how I look at it. And players can go to whatever kind of genre they want. If they want to work on, uh, you know, elite basketball training, then go find somebody that, that specializes in elite basketball training. Cause that's, that's kind of been one of the problems I've had with players is I'll take a seventh grader. We'll work for three months and we'll be doing elite basketball training, you know, like high level moves and nothing really too, with too many um, training tools or anything like that. But definitely working on, you know, double crossovers and, you know, wrong foot finish layups and stuff like that. And then the season comes and I come and watch the games and it's just like, man, I'm not seeing really too much translate into the games right now. I kind of wish that instead of doing those wrong foot layups, that we would have just done some jump stop shot fakes and some step throughs and uh, probably would have seen that happen in the game a lot more often. So that's just kind of my whole standpoint on it. Um, with all that said, I mean, 
there's way better trainers out there doing that kind of stuff. So I can't, I don't judge them at all because they're way better than myself. And I, and I posted this the other day on Facebook, some about working on the fundamentals and stuff. And a lot of people like jumped on my bandwagon and was like, yeah, it's all about fundamentals. All these other trainers, they're just in it for the flash and the money. And then I, you know, tried to defend those trainers. And I said, well, you know, these are the best trainers in the world that are doing this. So if you are going to say that that's, that that doesn't offer any value at all, then I think you might be dead wrong. On the other hand, I'm not going to go out there personally and put all my players through that. But with that said, you know, there's different genres. If that's what you want as a player, then go do it, you know? Right. It's interesting because you're, you're more balanced than what I saw. Because, again, social media, you can get your own perception and prerogative from looking at a comment and not knowing the context. So I, I saw that, and I think the person who posted the video, I think it's Accelerate Basketball in North Carolina, they trained Steph, and they right. they offered an explanation or something. They never gave it. I, I know Blake down there, too. Blake's a good guy. But, no, I'm with you, man. Like, a lot of those trainers, like, come on, Micah Lancaster. Like, Micah, he literally, he basically changed the game with, with the basketball. He's one of the best in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, who else is doing what he's doing right now, business-wise and with the training? So, yeah. you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like you're more, you're more balanced than what I initially thought on that topic. Yeah, because, like I said, I'm not – like, I'm a humble guy. I'm not, like, a, one of the best trainers in the world right now, so – I'm just uh, always trying to learn too, but for me personally, like, yeah, like I, I put my foot down when it comes to getting too crazy with the workouts. Like the kids like that stuff, you know, and I'm not working with NBA players. If I was working with NBA players, you know, I'd always have to be searching for new ways to challenge them and stuff. And I do with like my college guys, you know, we're out there doing two ball stuff and all that. But um, man, when you got 60 minutes to work with a kid and you're spending 30 minutes doing, you know, a basic whatever it is, a cone drill, tennis ball drill, two ball, then I think you're kind of missing the point. If you go watch their games, you'll realize what they really need to work on, you know? Right. That's a, that's a good point. So you say you're always trying to learn, and I know you just got back from the PGC training. I mean, what were the biggest takeaways from that experience? Yeah, so I was able to go and be an observing coach at a PGC clinic, and they're – pretty aligned with, with what I just talked about. They're, they're teaching the kids how to, um, you know, how to pass, how to cut. And um, really the, the thing that I saw there is that the thing that I like that they do is they talk about a lot of stuff that a lot of camps don't talk about. And that's like um, leadership and, and they have like a whole classroom section. And um, I thought that that was pretty, pretty cool, pretty valuable for the kids. And I mean, this, the PGC camp that I went to was, was pretty, low level as far as the, the kids that showed up and stuff. Um, but I think they did a good job finessing it in a way where it got the kids more, more pumped to, to play basketball. So I got to plug in my computer and, uh, and, you know, learn some stuff too. So that's what I'm all about too. Like, I just want to be an ambassador for the game. Like, am I a trainer? Am I a coach? Am I a player? I really don't know. I just want to kind of promote basketball, especially here where I live in my hometown. Um, I just want to promote basketball and, and get kids to fall in love with the game because I think that one thing that's not talked about a lot in this training world or in the basketball world is like the reasons why we play basketball. And you can go and ask a group of coaches, kids, anybody say, why, you know, why do we play basketball? And you'll get the same answers. Oh, it's good for your health. 
uh, teaches you how to play on a team. And for me, it's like so it's so much deeper because the things that I try to preach are brotherhood. Um, you know, the fact that you can get a job off playing basketball in the future. And I'm not talking about playing professionally. I'm talking about when you're 35 years old and you get fired from your job, but you go to open gym every week and you play with these other 45, 50 year old men and they are like your, your brothers, you know, you, you look forward every single week to go to open gym just so you can play against these old hairy 45 year old men. But you know what? You just got fired last week and now you're at open gym. Like, Hey got anybody got an opportunity for me? And chances are that someone's going to come through just because you play basketball and you go and play basketball with those guys. And not that I'm against other sports and stuff, but like baseball, you're not seeing too many, you know, guys get together four days a week to go play baseball or football or, you know, all these other sports. But basketball is the one, man. Basketball is a sport. Go to China, man. You see people playing basketball every single day. So I'm just trying to be an ambassador for the game and get more kids playing the game. And if they play it well, then they get to play it longer. And they get to have that experience in college or high school and varsity when they really get to be a part of that brotherhood and it gets a lot deeper. Uh, that's a good point. And you know what? I think uh, um, Jesse Minch mentioned this yesterday, the guy from Snake, uh, yeah. Snake, but Get Handles, he was saying that how, you know, basketball has afforded him a different life, essentially, like. Loving the game, but just a career-wise, man, he's doing what he loves on a day-to-day basis and earning an income from it. And that's like a new, I don't know, it's like a new little thing in this generation. I think somebody said it's the first generation that's ever made a full-time income off of just basketball training, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I uh, I struggled with that a lot. You know, like I said, like I used to charge 20 bucks, like, I still only now charge 40 bucks for a workout. Like I see these other guys charging 150. And it's, it's, I think that's fine. You charge as much as you want. I don't think there's any un, anything like unethical about it. For me personally, it's like, I just feel bad for the, the kid that can't afford it. You know, all of a sudden I charge a hundred dollars. I'm cutting out like half the kids I work with at least. So um, I'd rather work with more kids for less money. But as far as the whole topic of like earning a living by, you know, being a coach basically or a trainer is, it's, it's funny how people think that that's wrong because I'm sure 30, 40 years ago, piano teachers, you know, they're making money. Piano teachers have always been making money. You know, there's all kinds of little things that parents are willing to pay a lot for that don't offer the same thing as basketball, right? Like you, you invest in training, you get good enough to make your varsity team. Like now you're playing with the lights on. People are paying money to come to your games and, you know, it, it means something and the city's behind you and, and you, you have brotherhood, you, you know, people look up to you. Now you can influence others. You influence these children, these other children in your area to get better at basketball. And, and all because you chose basketball over piano and it was probably cheaper. <laughs> so. Right. Say, say that last part again is, is chopping up a little bit, but you said something, something probably cheaper. Oh, I said all because you chose basketball over piano and it was, you know, cheaper, cheaper to pay to get, you know, to master the game of basketball than it is to master the piano. Because, you know, I, when I was young, I went and signed up for piano lessons. Uh, and we did that for about one month with my parents. And it was kind of like, this is expensive. Like, how much are you into this? I was more into basketball. So but, that's yeah, funny, I was, man. I was on the opposite, opposite spectrum. My grandmother made me, she made me practice a piano so I could play basketball. So to this day, I still play the piano in church. We got choir practice tonight. Um, and I, I stuck with it because I started to like it. It was a good stress reliever. But 
like you said, man, I think my teacher was $60 a session, if that, or maybe 35. But it was like, it was money. Like it costs money. Um, and you know what? I didn't go to Juilliard, but I went to some camps in Juilliard, but I didn't go to that school, but I see the benefit that it's paid off now. Like just having that skill, having that art, I don't think it was wasted. I don't think my grandmother thinks it was wasted either, but I mean, that's a good comparison right there. Yeah, and I just compare it to the piano lessons. It could be anything that, you know, parents are willing to spend money on to get their, to help their kids with, you know? Um, yeah. So I think it's funny. Like, and that goes deep too, man. Like you said, I, I mean, I played D2 too, high level D2. We beat a couple of D1s and I don't, like, we may not be have been playing against some pro players, NBA players, but we definitely were playing against future nurses, future doctors, future, you know, salesmen, like, people who are actually affecting society. So it does get deeper, man. And, and somebody was telling me, I, I'm glad you said that a lot of us don't focus on the why behind everything. And like, there's a, there's a different component than just going online and teaching some drills for point guards. Right. And I don't know, like, how do you, how do you go by communicating that? Is it through YouTube videos? Is it through your Instagram? How do you communicate that? Why? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. I, uh, you know, I have some stuff on YouTube and stuff. Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't communicate it enough. I it, Throughout my social media outlets, you know, I'll always be posting stuff about brotherhood, about, you know, loving the game and keeping the game in your life, keep the ball bouncing and stuff. Um, through my emails that I send out, I preach that a lot. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not something out that gets talked about enough, I don't think, because these kids, they, they like basketball. They think it's fun, but they don't know why it's fun. It's fun because you're with your friends and competition is fun. That's one thing kids don't know either. It's fun to compete. Like if you, if you ever go play, and this happened to me as a lot of, as a kid, you know, you go to go play a little open gym with some kids, you show up and no one's competing. They're just kind of messing around. No one's playing hard. No one's playing defense. Like it's not fun. But as soon as a suicide's on the line or something like that, then all of a sudden the competition picks up and it's, and it's a lot more fun. That's a good point. Or somebody talks trash or whatever. Like, that's a great point. Like I, I burned out my last year, my senior year, but you know, I do miss hanging out with those guys and being in the locker room, acting crazy with them. That's something that I, you know, I would always want to bring back. And I'm trying to create that in the business now, you know, but it's tough. There's nothing like it playing on that yeah. team. And that's another thing I think about in the basketball training world that's tough is is everyone wants to be a basketball trainer and, and have group workouts and individual workouts. But at the end of the day, the kids, what do they want to do? They want to play. And I see it. Like, I think that's a problem, too, with a lot of camps and clinics and stuff. And even just this whole new trend that everyone's talking about, AAU is bad. You play too many games. Kids, they're not doing enough skill work. They, need to, they play too many games. I'm a little bit of the opposite, man. I, I think let the kids play, like get the skill work in. Yeah. But if I have an hour and a half workout, an hour is going to be skill work and 30 minutes is going to be playing because that's all these kids want to do. And there's camps and clinics out there where there's no games at all. And at these, you know, and they pride themselves. Like, you know, PGC is one of them and not to knock PGC because they're one of the best at what they do, but you know, there's no, there's no five on five games. And that was one thing I noticed at the camp was like, man, these kids are itching right now just to, roll the balls out and just play and I'm all for playing like uh the camps that I kind of grew up are called basketball jones I grew up working those not not that I grew up but like those are the first camps that I really worked like we would do like 
10 camps a summer and 40 hour camps. They're long, eight hours a day. And uh, yeah, five days a week, man. They're, they're, they still go on in Northern California. They're epic camps. And the kids at the end of the week, and this happened multiple times, are crying because they don't want to go home because those wow. camps, they, they just influence the kids to love the game because we play 10 games throughout the week, you know? And I think there's more value in having a kid fall in love with the game than teaching them how to do the, the triple threat footwork or whatever, you know? Parents a lot of times will ask, you know, well, he's just not motivated, you know, he's not motivated enough to do it on his own. Well, he, he does, he's not obsessed. He hasn't fallen in love with the game yet. Like, does he go home and, and look up Larry Bird highlights on YouTube? Like, no. Like, oh, well, you know, he hasn't fallen in love with the game. Like, how do you do that? You got to play. Like, playing's fun, you know? Man, that's a that's a great point. Um, I think on the offline piece, like the workouts, I have been trying to do more king of the court, uh, yeah. more of the five on five stuff. So that's a good point. And, you know, not to say it cuts into how much you can teach. You still can teach playing five on five. And I, I don't think a parent would be mad with a kid playing if you're still instructing and teaching. Um, so that's a good point, man. That's like five, ten minutes right there at least. Yeah, there's, there's ways too to like um to make the workouts feel like they're playing you know like competitions and stuff like that i love having like shooting competitions it depends you know some days it's like okay we can't compete today guys like i saw your game last week every shot you took your elbow was out like we're going all elbow in like form shooting but some days you know the kids it's friday they're you know they want to compete they're in the gym they're already kind of talking trash to each other a little bit they're like, all right, you know, 25 shots around, let's go, add them up, count them up, loser's got a suicide. And then they just like are locked in and, you know, they're all engaged in the workout now all of a sudden. I'm over here ready to play too. <laughs> um, so, man, I appreciate that. And, you know, that wraps up the, the podcast questions I have. I probably have some stuff offline that I can text you and table. But um, where can everybody find you? And what channel do you want to direct people to if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Sure. I would love if you guys would just check me out on YouTube. I think that's where you can go and get the most value kind of from me. So just go to YouTube, search uh, either Augie Johnston or Baller Bootcamp, and you'll find, uh, you know, well over 200 videos that you can start going through. And the new ones will have good quality camera. The old ones will have bad quality camera, and I'll probably be a little awkward on camera. But uh yeah, so check that out, please. For sure, man. I, I watched one recently. I was like, dang, is that like 8K? Like, it was really clear, man, um, where you were working uh, yeah. point guard in the gym, and they were working on, you were working on skips with them, um, different different moves. But, no, nah, it was a great video, man. I don't know what you were using, iPhone, but it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was a DSLR, so if you're not know, uh, camera. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Well, man, hey, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining, and thanks for the value you gave on this podcast. And I'm looking forward to to, to learning more from you, man, and uh, getting to know you better. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's fun. I love talking hoops and time. Thanks for tuning in to Basketball to Business Podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at my son jones and if you are not like me and don't need to burn all bridges quit your day job and only bank on a plan a and you want to make some money on the side by doing basketball training check out www.hoopsinstitute.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial 
And until next time, and remember, you are not alone in your journey to reach your dreams.